0: Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4. Last week I spoke about facing the future, and my text was from Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 22, where Paul had met with the elders of the church at Ephesus they're begging him not to go to Jerusalem because they realize what shall befall him there. And Paul, knowing full well what is going to happen, he's going to be beaten and imprisoned, and yet, uh, uh and yet he goes ahead knowing that is a part of God's plan. Well, today I want to speak to you about Paul's letter to Timothy, who just it just so happened became the pastor of, the, of that church there in Ephesus, and of course you know the story of Paul and Timothy and how how dear Timothy was to his heart and uh, and uh, wanted him to succeed in life. Uh, let me let me just you stay right where you're at and let me read from First Timothy in the first letter, chapter number one. And verse 18, and this gives you some, some hint as to the, what Paul was feeling about this young man. He said, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on, uh, on, uh, before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away, concerning faith have made shipwreck now the point of that is that he wanted uh, he wanted Timothy to succeed where others had failed he wanted him to finish the ministry that God had given to him and then when we come to second Timothy chapter number 2 and and we we notice in this chapter that Paul gives us several different pictures of the Christian life, by that I mean he uses several different words and 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 so forth to describe what the Christian life is like. In verse number 1, he addresses Timothy as his son. So there is a relationship there of which he speaks. In verse 2, he pictures Timothy as being a teacher and wants Timothy to to commit unto others that which he has received. Verse 3 and 4, he pictures the Christian life as that of a soldier. Verse 5, the picture is that of an athlete. Verse 6, is a picture of a farmer. Verse number 15, is a picture of the Christian being a student. And then the chapter closes by picturing the Christian as being a servant. Now, the bottom line is this. Paul did not want Timothy to waste his life. He wanted him to stay the course and to stay in the fight and to, and to come out victorious, and that's why he instructed him. He reminded him, he warned him, and he encouraged him. But I want you to notice verse number 5 of chapter 4, 2 Timothy 4, 5, where he says to Timothy, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and the key to this uh, for our message this morning where he says, make full proof of thy ministry. That phrase, make full proof, means to fill up. It means to complete. It means to leave nothing undone, but to fill up the full measure. Uh, Some time ago, I preached a message entitled "A Life Well Spent," and uh, so in preparation for my message this morning, I thought, you know, I'm going to look back and at those notes because there's some similarities between the messages, and I want to look back and uh, see what I said. Well, man, I couldn't find my notes, and uh, so you know, I'm just going to assume that's for the best. Some, you know, sometimes we preachers be better off if we burn some of our old notes. And I know looking back over the years and I'll come across an old outline and I'll think, did I really preach that? You know, and I mean, not that it was wrong necessarily or unscriptural, but, uh, so th- I'm sure there's a good reason why. Now, the only reason I mention that is because I want you to understand that a life well lived which is what I preached some time ago, a life well lived. A life well lived depends on a life well spent. A life well spent, that's the title of the message this morning. I guess we could all look back on our life, and we could think about how we've spent our life so far, right? go, we look back and we think, wow, All of those years that I wasted, I mean, you know, I I, I, I could have used those years serving the Lord. You know, I could have done this and I could have done that, and and yet uh, it's too late now. Uh, on many occasions, I've you know, and I know I know you've heard it before, but I'll just barely mention it again. The first time I got a quarter, I mean, a quarter all to myself, I could do anything I wanted with it. So I went down, you know, to the little community store, got twenty-five tootsie Rows, climbed up in a huge, gigantic katapa tree that was a favorite, a favorite hiding place, and so I got up in that old catappa tree, and uh, and ate ate all of those tootsie rolls. Well you know, whenever they're gone, they're gone. But I got to thinking later on, I thought, you know, I could have gone to the movie and bought a bag of popcorn and a Coke. I I could have done all of that with that quarter. And instead of doing those things, I just nearly got sick eating Tootsie uh, (laughs) Rolls. But it was too late then because the money was gone. Well, I'm sure we've all got a story about something that was foolish. And I want to speak to you today about something a whole lot more important than that. And the question is, how are you spending your life? How are you spending your life? And I want to remind you some things before you answer that question. First of all, I want you to take into consideration the privilege of life. The privilege of life is to be appreciated. Every single day, there's certain things that I pray for, certain people I pray for, certain things I thank God for, and every day I thank God for the gift of life and the gifts of life and then the gift of eternal life. But please understand that life is a gift there are those that would give absolutely anything and everything if they could just have if they could just have a few more weeks or a few more months but they are at the end of their journey the doctor has done all that he can do then you know barring a miracle of some kind they know that they're going to die and yet they want to live just as much as you do And so we need to thank God for the privilege of life. Notice what Paul said back in 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 11. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 11, and he says to Timothy, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed hope, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me in, into the ministry now notice he doesn't mention the word life whatsoever but notice he speaks about ministry and that that tells me clearly that he's speaking about life because as far as Paul was concerned his ministry was his life that's what living was all about and he's thanking God for the ministry that he had given to him and you and I when we think about life we need to think about why we're here and we need to thank God for the privilege we have of being able to live that's what Paul lived for the ministry that's what life was for him so we need to we need to consider it a privilege that we have of being alive these guys that served in the uh, in the armed forces whatever branch You know, those that were in combat, for example, they could look back, no doubt, and they could tell you some of their buddies that didn't make it back home, and no doubt they've often wondered why. Why was it that their friend died on a battlefield somewhere, and they're still alive? And some of us can look back, and we can think about, you know, maybe people that we went to school with, and they're dead and gone. It's like somebody said, you know, if we live long enough, we'll have more friends in heaven than we do on earth. And you know I, that that that's about right. I often look back and wonder, you know, think about all of the different friends uh, Bev and I have had over the years, and so many of them that are dead and gone. And why did God leave me here? Why am I still alive? Well, listen, that is a privilege for which I ought to be thankful. Not only not only is it life a privilege, but also we need to think about the personal responsibility that we have. Because that's serious. When we think about, you know, just having the privilege of living, that's one thing. But by virtue of the fact that we are alive, we have a personal responsibility. And uh, we have to give an account to God for the way in which we spend our life. All of our Awana kids could quote Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. And a lot of people can quote that and a lot of people think about it, but they, I think they really miss the meaning of what that verse is all about. Paul says, study to show thyself approved unto God. And most people put all the emphasis on the fact. They say, well, you know, that speaks about being a student and we need to study God's word. Well, listen, all of that is true, but notice what he says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That word study means to be diligent. It means to be diligent. What are we to be diligent in? Notice, to show thyself approved unto God. That, that's the whole point of it. That life is a responsibility, and we are to be diligent uh, in, in 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 showing ourselves approved unto God. Well, how do we do that? We do that by rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, uh, sometimes we just think about you know the the importance of us studying the word of God. And as important as that is, the purpose behind all of it is that we might show ourselves approved unto God. You see, we need to keep our responsibility in mind because it affects the way that we live. If you just all of a sudden go brain dead and uh, uh, you know totally forget about why you 're here and you realize no responsibility it 'll affect the way you live you 'll be carefree you 'll be careless and you know you, you just won 't care whether you do anything why not you don 't have to answer to anyone you 're not responsible to anyone. But when you think about the fact that we are responsible for everything we do, we are responsible for what we think, we're responsible for our attitude and everything in our life. And when we do that, all of a sudden it begins to affect our behavior because none of us have a right to live as we please, do we? None of us. Well, some people think they do. You know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to just live as I please. I am my own boss. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. But I'm telling you, you're going to answer to God for that. There is a personal responsibility that is serious that we need to take into consideration. Now, not only that. When we think about this matter of how we're spending our life, we need to also think about our purpose, and the purpose is clear. It's absolutely clear what our purpose is, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and notice what Paul says beginning in verse number 9, 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 9. He says, speaking of the Lord who hath saved us, isn't that great? He saved us and He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the gentiles what What is he doing? He's talking about his purpose in life. Now, you and I do not have the same office that Paul had where none of us are apostles. none of us, none of us serve God in the same way that he served God. It was God's will for him to go to Ephesus, for example. I don't suppose I'll ever go to Ephesus, right? So God doesn't expect me to go to Ephesus. So God did one thing with Paul and another thing with me and something else with you. But the point is the purpose in life is clearly laid out for us. And, and while all of us do some things in different ways, there is an overarching purpose that embraces all of God's children, the purpose for which the world was created. And that purpose is what? To glorify God. We are to glorify God. And that, that's why Paul said in, in Philippians 1 and verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, if my main purpose is to glorify God, then according to what Paul is saying, we glorify God by what? By living for Christ, being like Christ, living for Christ. And so, he says, for to me to live is Christ. And listen, that can be true of all of us. You don't have to be a preacher, an apostle, or, you know, the pastor of a church, a deacon in the church, or any of those things, but but all of us all of us have a ministry of some sort and so as 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 we consider how we're going to spend our life we've got to take into consideration the purpose for which we exist because when you lose sight of that you're just going to be uh, you're just going to be roaming around without any real direction in your life now we've all got many options right it, it's kind of like somebody said, you know, about life. He said, you know, life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you're going to spend it once. And that's true. And so we've got all different kinds of options in our life. We can choose to do what is right, or we can choose to do what's wrong. We can choose to do that which is good or that which is bad. But what we need to remember is that everything, even in the good category, is not necessarily of equal value. So just saying I'm not doing anything wrong isn't good enough. Our steps must be ordered by the Lord. Paul, Listen, when Paul was meeting with those fellows there on the seashore and, and, and they're begging him, don't go to Jerusalem because they're they're going to beat you, they're going to kill you. Why don't you just stay here? I mean, you stay here, you can minister unto us or, you know, whatever, or go in a a different direction or whatever. Listen, Paul could have been doing the same thing in a different place, but he would have been out of the will of God. So so God had a specific assignment for him, just as he does for all of us. So it's not enough for me to say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I haven't robbed any banks. I haven't beat anybody up. I haven't cussed anybody out. I haven't done any of these horrible, terrible things. And I can be doing things that, from the standpoint of morality, things that are well and good, but things that are not the best. You you know, spend your quarter on what? On, you can spend your quarter on Tootsie Rose if you want to. But listen, you can spend it a better way. You can go to the movie and get popcorn and a Coke, you know. And uh, so there's different ways, and we have different options in our life. Um, I suppose the one thing above everything that I remember my mother saying was a little little poem that she had picked up somewhere along the way, and I heard it so many times. I thought, "Please don't." I'm so tired of hearing that. But she said, "Good, better, best. Never let them rest till you're good as your better, and your better is your best." Oh, that's realist. That is really good advice, isn't it? Good, better, best. Never let them rest till you're good as your better, and your better is your best. But listen. As easy as that is to understand, it's not all that simple. It's not all of that simple, and the reason it's not that simple is because our priorities in life have to be understood. Look in Second Timothy chapter two and verse number four. Second Timothy chapter two, verse number four, Paul says to Timothy, "No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why?" That he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he's not crowned, that is he doesn't win, except he strive lawfully. So here we find that Paul is picturing the Christian life as that of a soldier and that of an athlete. And he's giving a warning to Timothy about his manner of life and that he's to keep his priorities in mind. He says, no man that worth that is no soldier entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Uh, th- these fellows that, that all stood up here a little while ago, they could all tell you that from the moment that they entered into the military... They had no longer any will of their own. And by that, I mean that it was no longer up to them for, for them to decide what they're going to do today. Somebody told them what time to get up. Somebody told them what they were going to do all day, what time they were going to eat. Somebody told them what time the lights were out. And everything about their life was ordered by somebody else. You know, look, your, your sergeant would have thought you had lost your, your cotton pick mind mine if you had gone to him and said, Oh, no, Sergeant, I know we're supposed to go out, you know, today and do this or that, but I, I somebody sent me tickets to the World Series and I got to catch a plane and get back there. You, look, you can't get entangled with all of the things of this world if you're going to be a soldier. That's just a part of the price that you pay. And as Christians, If we're going to spend our lives in the right way, the best way, we cannot allow ourselves to get entangled in the affairs of this world. And uh, that's where it really gets difficult. Because there again, it goes back to the fact that we have to do some things that are actually of secondary importance but it's in the doing of those things of secondary importance that we are enabled to do things of primary importance. For example, we have to drive, right? We have to get out and fight the traffic on the freeways. We have to sit at stoplights. You ever thought about how much of your life you spend sitting at stoplights? Really? Really? Uh, I, that's one reason I hate to go to a barber shop. I hate to get a haircut. I, who wants to sit there in a barber's chair all day, uh, Or, you know, or f- even for fifteen minutes? Uh, as far as that goes, uh, it just seems like a waste of time sitting there whenever you could be doing something. And, and but you got to get out there on the highway. You got to go. You uh, but you, hey, you got to stop and get gas once in a while. Uh, you got to wait on all changes sometimes. You have to talk on the phone. And, and, and so all of these things are things that we have to do in order to do what we should. And boy, if you added up all of the time, you know, that we spent doing those things, boy, you could take a lot of vacations for that. You know, but all of those things seemingly not all that important. But they become very important because they enable us to do what is most important. And that's why we need wisdom. We're still talking about our priorities now. And we're talking about getting our priorities in order. And if we don't, listen, if we don't, it's going to make things difficult and it can be dangerous. And whenever I say dangerous, I say that for a reason. I say it because this is where sinless things can become sinful. I know you hear me mention this all the time, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, standing up here and looking out there, and, and every time I mention it's kind of like everybody, you know, just t- t- turn, t- turns the knob off, you know. Uh, we, we just kind of quit paying attention to this part because as long as it's not bad, you know, there's not anything to worry about. But when sinless things become sinful, that is bad. That is bad. And and things that in and of themselves are just fine uh, can become sinful when they hinder us from doing what we should. None of us have the right to determine for ourselves what is most important in life. Uh, we, we can't spend our life doing what is most fun, We can't spend our life doing that which is the easiest or the most enjoyable. We can't spend our life doing what is most profitable or what is most popular. Now, a lot of people do that, but that's not a life well spent. Yeah, You know, I just just happened to read on something, uh, I believe it was this morning or last night, and uh, uh, Kurt Douglas, the actor, you know, they were going, going to have his hundred, I didn't know he was that old, his hundred birthday, uh, hundredth birthday, hundredth birthday celebration, a party for him. He spent his whole life as an actor, and I thought to myself, you know, isn't that a shame? I mean, it is to me, maybe it isn't to you. I mean, You know, spend your whole life as an actor or an athlete or what, and you know, I'm afraid there's a lot of people spending their life acting and don't even know it. By that, I mean they are majoring on minors. They're not doing anything wrong, so they feel rather good about what they're doing, and what they're doing is not immoral or anything, but it's robbing them from what is most important in their life. You can get so wrapped up in absolutely anything. It might be an innocent activity or a hobby or something else. Not anything wrong with it in moderation. Because, by the way, we all need a certain amount of rest. We all need a certain amount of recreation. You know, God just designed us that way that we need that downtime. Well, it goes back to what I was saying. Sometimes you've got to do things that don't seem important in order to do what is important. you got to get out on the freeway, fight the traffic, you know, stop and get gas and all of those things. It doesn't seem important. And if that's all you did, it wouldn't be important. But it enables you to do something that is very important. And sometimes, you know, the best thing you can do is to not do anything, just rest. But listen, whenever we get so busy, and I don't care if it's a Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, a Little League Ball, whatever it is, hunting, fishing, makes no difference, whatever it is, When we get so occupied in those things that we don't have time to serve God, then sinless things are becoming sinful to us because we have our priorities wrong and we are spending our lives in a way that is not the most profitable, wasting our life away. Well, that brings us down to the profit Part of it, you know. I don't think anybody wants to live their life in such a way that they know when they come to the end of the road that it's going to be all for naught. Whenever Solomon tried everything the world had to offer, you'll remember he conducted an experiment. He said, "Going to do an experiment." He tried wine, women, works, everything under the sun. He tried all these things. He 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 said it's all vanity. It's all a soap bubble world that we live in. And then he said, I hated life. I hated life. Why? Because there was nothing there that could satisfy him. I don't think anybody here this morning really wants to live that kind of a life that when you come down to the end of life, that you have to look back and say, "Wow, I spent it all on Tootsie Rose. I just wasted my life away. And let me tell you folks, there are no second chances. When it's gone, it's gone and there's no way to live it over. Uh, When we think about a life that is not wasted, a life that is well spent, we need to look beyond thinking about how we profit from it. We do, and we need to consider that. But we also need to take into account that, that others profit from that kind of a life. If you spend your life right, there will be others that are going to profit from it. Our life isn't really well spent if it doesn't please God. Remember, that's what Paul was telling Timothy. Study, show thyself approved unto God. Approved unto God. And all of us ought to be diligent in our life to do what we can in order to please Him in everything that we do. Amen. Going back to last week's message there in Acts chapter 20 and verse number twenty, remember Paul said, Neither do I count my life my life dear unto myself. My life's really not that big of a deal. But what was important, Paul, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And Paul said, I was in betwixt and between you. He said, I got a desire to depart and to be with Christ. He said, which would be far better. But then he made this statement. He said, but for me to remain, for me to stay here, he said, that'll be more profitable to you. Wouldn't it have been a terrible thought for Paul to say, you know, even if I stay, it won't be of any benefit to you. And there are a lot of folks living their life, and it's really of no great benefit to anyone else because they're living their life just for themselves. For to me, to live is Christ, he said. What is it for you? You fill in the blank. For to me, to live is what? What? For to me to live is the pursuit of power and prestige or pleasure. What, what is it for you to live is what? Here lately with the election and now with Veterans Day and so forth, a, a lot of us have been reflecting back on the heritage of our nation. Just a little while ago as I was sitting there, as I keep in the very back of my Bible case, I have the entirety of Patrick Henry's speech. Have you ever read that in its entirety? If you haven't, you should. It's absolutely amazing. And so we've been thinking a lot about that. But whenever we think back to the price those men and women paid in that day. Let me tell you right now, had they decided what I'm doing is not wrong, I'm going to use my life, I'm going to spend my life doing things that I enjoy, and what have you, and I, that, that's the way I want to live, we would never have this great nation that we've got. They invested their lives in such a way that even today we still profit from the life they live. That's a life well spent. It is a life that pleases God. It's a life that profits others. And whenever he says here to Timothy in our text, notice he says, make full proof. Full proof. That comes from a Greek word, that describes a man to whom money has been entrusted who in turn satisfies the investor by the return that he makes. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Well, if you go to the book of Matthew and read the parable of the talents, all of a sudden you'll see what, what I'm talking about. Make full proof of thy ministry. that Listen, we, all of us are required to do that, to make full proof of the life that we live. A man to whom the money has been entrusted, who in turn satisfies the investor, that is the one who gave him the money, by the return that he makes. Somebody wrote that, that old song, Must I Go an Empty-Handed? my dear Savior meet. What a horrible thought that is to think about standing before him empty-handed, having won no crowns, having gained no rewards, having nothing that indicates that we satisfied our purpose in life by living for him. That is a life well spent. And remember, the Lord said, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. Wow, we've been given so very much. Life and health and prosperity, so very much. How dare we spend it on Tootsie Rose? On things that will not matter after they've been consumed. Things that are in no way best for us, pleasing to God, or of any benefit to anybody else. Make full proof of your ministry, your life. Philip, don't, listen, don't leave anything undone. That's the point. That's a full life there. And Solomon discovered something amazing. Having tried all of these different things and coming up with just a mere soap bubble, after all of that, he discovered in God the thing that he had been looking for all along. Satisfaction. And let me tell you, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll never be satisfied. It wouldn't make any difference who won the election. It wouldn't make any difference how much money you make. wouldn't make any difference what pleasures you could indulge in. You absolutely would never, never, ever really be happy in life. And if you're here today and you have received Christ as your Savior, please understand, that is a privilege for which you are responsible. And you've got to give an account to God for that. And I hope that you'll leave here today with a new determination that I want to live a life well spent. Because how you spend it determines what kind of life ultimately that you live. And may we all be able someday when we stand before the Lord to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's all stand. Father, how we thank you for the many benefits and privileges that we enjoy, realizing that that we don't deserve anything and we're so thankful that your grace has provided absolutely everything that we have. And help us, Lord, to realize that that in addition to this privilege comes the great responsibility to, that we use our life in a manner that that shows us approved unto you, a life that is pleasing in your sight, a life that is a help and a blessing to others, and ultimately and ultimately brings even to us the greatest satisfaction of all. And Lord, today, if there's someone here that's a stranger to your saving grace, may may this be the day that they finally realize that they've been missing it all, and today they'll turn to Christ. For we ask it all in His precious name.